sermon today, and um, we're doing something a little bit different today, but I think something that you're going to find really a blessing to hear about. Um, back several months ago, I got an email from Bill Warlick, and Bill likes to go downtown to the bars and frequent the bars and meet people. <clears throat> and so he was in a, a, a restaurant and bar and uh, happened to be sitting next to a gentleman at the, I think at the bar actually, having a burger. And they got to talking and one thing led to another and, and he found out who Raymond Nelson was, who is here today with uh, a team of leaders and a team of young men who are developing as leaders. It's called Boys with a Purpose, and you've seen some of the pictures up here on the slideshow, but um, when I called Raymond, he agreed to meet with me, and we've been plotting this now for a month and a half or so. But So, Bill, thank you so much. You keep doing that. <laughs> And if any of the rest of you want to do that, you're, you're welcome to do that, too. <laughs> but um, so I'm going to invite um, Abraham Champagne to come up, who works with Raymond and uh, his, his staff here. And we're going to hear from several of these folks. But Abraham's going to come up and tell us a little bit about this program and introduce everybody. OK, so welcome. All right, good afternoon, and uh, thank you for inviting us to this wonderful institution, St. Philip's uh, Church. It's been here for a while, and, 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 I, and the, uh, I hear so many great things about the congregation, and so um, we're, just, we're just very thankful that you, that you invited us to this, um, to this church today. Um, I wanted to do a brief introduction of myself. Um, and how I got involved with Boys with a Purpose. And uh, from there, you'll hear from Raymond Nelson and Kenneth Joyner and their involvement. Uh, they're the two founders. Um, I am um, the treasurer of Boys with a Purpose. Um, I was brought on by uh, Mr. Mr. Nelson um, through mutual acquaintances and, and, and uh, mutual, also mutual goals and, and mutual vision. I was brought on to, um, to this program. Um, I started in Charleston. I've been here for 15 years. Um, I've been working in nonprofits for, for most nonprofits and public sector uh, for most of those years. I started with the Exchange Club Center in North Charleston as a program manager of, of, a, of, a, of, of a program actually that was all boys, um, teaching them life skills, responsible decision making. Um, teaching them how to be um, how to be responsible in all things in all facets of their lives. Uh, as as a program manager there, I really learned a lot about how how to run these different programs and how to reach these boys. And made a lot of mistakes and learned a lot along the way. Um, so from there, I'm, I'm also um, I, I became a teacher in in Charleston County School District. I started as a kindergarten assistant. Um, kind of splashed in, you know. I didn't. I never thought I would be a kindergarten teacher. Never thought. I thought I would be. I thought I would at least teach high school. You know, be with the big kids, and you know. And uh, but but I got an opportunity, and I was led into in a direction that I didn't know where I was going. 
but I was led in that direction. I felt good about it. And I felt, um, I felt a lot of peace about what I was doing. And I said, why not? So I became um, a kindergarten assistant for two years. And from there, I moved on. I got my bachelor's degree. And, and then I became a lead teacher in kindergarten. So I've been, I did that for five years in a kindergarten classroom. And I really saw how the different approach that that is present with young kids where you see you know most of them they see females in the classroom and they approach them in a different way they approach the male in a different way a very different way I, it's, it's very hard to explain I know my, my young girls you know they they I can tell that they you know they would we'd be having conversations and in, in classroom, and they would say, um, "Daddy, I mean, Mr. Champagne." You know, so they, 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 in their minds, they were they were putting me in that position as a father figure, and so I really that really struck me as 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 interesting that that these young kids would go would would a, would place me in. Such a such a regarded position as a father figure, or as an uncle, or or as a family member that that leads and guides them in that way. So I really that really struck me, and that it, it, it and it also informed my my um, my experiences as I moved on. Uh, as as of now, I'm a second grade teacher at Goodwin Elementary in North Charleston, and so um, I got involved with Boys with a Purpose in uh, in June of last year, and. Uh, working on the organizational development, working on the finances and trying to learn as we go. Uh, it's, it's just us three, so we're, we're doing as much as we can. We have, we have various roles. We're, we're, we're trying to work as a team to really get this thing going. And uh, we're always looking for a helping hand, uh, people that, are, that agree with our vision and, and, and really see that this is a very special special thing that we have and we want to really take care of it we want to make sure that it, it it flourishes and it thrives and it becomes something great in charleston south carolina and and even further outside of charleston south carolina we want to reach we want to reach a lot of these boys who 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 are looking for extra guidance for me um, going back to my upbringing i was born and raised in, in sumter south carolina and this is one of the biggest things that, 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 streak, that strikes me and really helps me become aligned with the vision of Boys With A Purpose. Um, I grew up in a, in a household with, with my father and my mother, but I also had, I was very fortunate to have many, many father figures, my um, uncles, um, big cousins and whatnot, that really guided me along the way. There were, there were many, many um, there are many times in, as, as a young adult, young male, that I could have made the wrong choices. But um, I always, I tell a lot of people this, that my, my, cousin, my cousin Jerome, he, is, he was a Marine, and he was in his 20s when we were, when my brother and I were younger. And um, so he would take me, take us everywhere and show us lots different things, show us how to, you know, change tires and just basic things, show us how to, you know, behave in, in, in public and everything. And I told him this about uh, a couple of months ago as at, within a conversation. I said, you know, Jerome, 
you don't know how much you, you've guided me throughout the years. In, in whatever situation I was in, whether good or bad, if when I had a choice to do, to do the right thing or do the wrong thing, I heard your voice. I heard your voice in my mind. And that's what helped me choose the right thing versus the wrong thing. All the lessons that you gave me, it was, a, it was like, it was a part of my conscience. And that's what we're trying to instill in these boys. We're trying to instill that, that, that knowledge and that wisdom to, to help them make the right choices when it comes down to that moment where they can go left or they can go right. So um, I would like to once again thank you for having us here. And um, I would like to go ahead and uh, welcome Mr. Raymond Nelson to, uh, to the podium and he's gonna share some experiences. But first I wanna go ahead and read a, a, a quick bio of him. Uh, Mr. Raymond Nelson, he was born in Charleston, South Carolina and educated in Charleston public school system. After receiving his bachelor's degree in recreation administration from Morris College in Sumter, he worked at the Clemson Youth Development Center in Aiken as a behavior modification specialist. He then returned to Charleston and worked as an activity therapist with the MUSC Institute of Psychiatry STAR program. Uh, Raymond love, Raymond's love for children took him to his former elementary school, Meminger Elementary, where he was employed by communities and schools as a student support specialist and coach of the youth, ba youth basketball team. While there, Raymond started the group called the Gentlemen's Club, where, where students met once a week and put on their Sunday's best to come together to learn life skills, how to tie the tie, handshake etiquette, respect others. And if a boy did not have a jacket or tie, one was supplied for him. These boys looked forward to their weekly meetings and attendance grew and grew. Raymond decided to solicit the help of a teacher at Meminger, Mr. Kenneth Joyner. Um, after, afterwards, Raymond eventually left Meminger, but his passion led him to continue to carry on his work with these young people. Raymond is a member of Mother Emanuel Church and remembers participating in many youth activities and boys club there as a child, where he learned many life skills. He has one daughter, Jalen, who is nine years old and a third, and she is a third grader at Meminger. Let's welcome Mr. Raymond Nelson. Thank you, man. <laughs> How y'all doing this afternoon? All right, all right. Okay. Um, I would like to start off by saying I am a native of Charleston, South Carolina. Um, grew up in the downtown community. Um, was a student at Memager Elementary. So I'm familiar with the whole downtown community. Um, I would like to say that I grew up West Ashley. My mom was a registered nurse at MUSC. Um, that's how I got to go to Memager. My dad was a firefighter with um, the city of Charleston. And my dad, around the age of eight, um, he did things with me until around the age of eight, but he lived in the same household with me. But around that time, I don't really know what happened, um, but he just stopped doing things with me. Um, and I remember that feeling of being an eight-year-old 
and having my father inside the same building, but the same same home, but didn't want to seem like he was involved with me or didn't want to do things with me. And it wasn't it wasn't a great feeling at all. Um, and I know nowadays some kids don't have father figures, don't have their fathers around, but uh, back then I, I kind of wished that I, I didn't have my father around because it was very hurtful seeing him in the household, being in a room, really don't want to be involved. And, you know, I had to live with that. Uh, so as I got older, um, it would be situations when, like, I played high school basketball um, for West Ashley High School, and he didn't come to my basketball games. Uh, he just he just used to work a lot, pretty much. And uh, I knew he loved me, but it was just that he, I guess, just had a lot of work to do. And he was, a, he was the oldest of six, and his father left him at age three. So he pretty much grew up raising his younger siblings. Uh, so I kind of, as I got older, kind of made an excuse, maybe say, well, maybe he just was burnt out. Maybe he just, you know, didn't know how to handle being a father. Um, but uh, we've talked about it once before. Um, we do go fishing and stuff like that now. I live in Mount Pleasant. He lives in Hugie, and uh, we go fishing uh, from time to time. Um, he did have some drug issues. Uh, just recently graduated from rehab uh, about two years ago. So uh, he, he definitely is doing better. But, um, you know, I just told him I wish I could have that time uh, when I was younger, you know, to be around him. And I told him every, every kid wants to be accepted. And this is why I do what I do, Mr. Joyner and Mr. Champagne, because we realize that every kid, male or female, wants to be accepted. Um, so after high school, uh, I graduated from Morris College in something South Carolina. And I used to work for a Clemson Youth Development Center where I would work with teenage kids who were in a program for 90 days. They were in the program summoned by a judge. Um, they had 90 days to complete the program. If they didn't complete the program, they would get 180 days. If they didn't pass the 180 days, then they would get a higher sentence. Um, and seeing these young males coming from different parts of South Carolina, um, teenagers, age 13 to 18, I was saying, gosh, what, what, what are these kids doing? What, why do they keep getting in trouble? Why do they keep getting into the system? And once you're in, you're in. Your name comes up, your records follow you. And seeing those guys, it was 380 acres of land. We would take them horseback riding, canoeing, kayaking, um, high ropes, zip line, things like that. And these boys would experience things that they never experienced before. Um, a lot of them came from different cities, so they didn't know anything about, you know, hiking and, and kayaking and things like that, but they enjoyed it. And we had a lot of the boys actually pass the program within 90 days and continue to go on about them lives. But we, uh, so after that, I went to MUSC and I was an activity therapist for psychiatric kids, ages six through 13. So pretty much I was dealing, I was dealing with kids who had uh, different, uh, different mental issues, things like that. And uh, what I used to do is do activities with them and gross motor skills. And um, I loved doing that job. I, loved, I did that for about five years. 
and but it just kind of got rough on me because I, me being a single father, my daughter's nine, um, seeing what these kids would go through on a daily basis, I would take my work home, kind of, and I didn't know how to differentiate the same, the, the work. Um, so I left that after about five years and got to Memminger, uh, where I was a counselor for at-risk uh, boys. And I realized that it was a, I started kind of backwards. I started at the Clemson Youth Development Center where the boys would go after receiving some kind of intervention or some kind of help, which was the MUSC Institute of Psychiatry, and then going back to the schools where I saw some of the boys who went to MUSC at my job and seeing where it all starts from. So I thought about it and said, well, if I started here and actually see where they're coming from, maybe I can try to prevent some of this. Maybe I can try to stop them from going into the system or getting in trouble and, and just, you know, not doing what they're supposed to do. So uh, I met with Kenneth Joyner. Um, he came to Memminger about five years ago. And uh, we were talking about getting this program started. And it was uh, not this December, but December before. We were talking about just getting it up and running. And we were over, it was over Christmas break. We decided, I said, hey man, when we get back to school, let's, let's have the boys meet with us every Wednesday. Um, every Wednesday, have them dress up, talk to the principal about having them dress and their Sunday's best. And we, we said, we'll just give it a try and see how it goes. So we had about eight boys show up. And we had actually one girl. And the actual, <laughs> the one girl, we had her so she could um, accept the compliments from the guys and learn how to be nice to the young males because she was a rough, a rough girl. A rough young one. <laughs> and um, and uh, so we had her in the program. It was called um, A Gentleman and a Little Lady Club. And uh, eventually we grew. Um, it got more boys, of course. You know, she felt like, oh, Miss Nelson, there's a bunch of boys, a bunch of boys, so and so. So eventually she dropped out, but we still did some things with her. So um, we changed the name of the group to Boys with a Purpose. And uh, we would have the boys dress in their Sunday's best every Wednesday um, to school. And we would meet and go over different life skills and things like that. And our um, three main focus is uh, etiquette, manners, and social skills. So being able to hold a conversation with adults, um, being able to hold a conversation with themselves, um, greeting people, um, conducting themselves well, things like that. So after we started the program, um, I was working for a, a nonprofit at the time. And, uh, we started the program that January, January of last year, and everything was going well. Uh, we got invited to go to the Steve Harvey show in March, so that's pretty much two months after the program started. So everything was just rolling, rolling, rolling. Um, we took some of the boys to Chicago. Some of them never flew before. You know, we had one boy who threw up about six times before we got on the plane because he was so nervous about getting on. Um, but he told us that his stomach was hurting and he didn't feel well, but we knew what it was. We knew what it was. Um, but the boys had a really good time. Devin was actually one of the students that went with us. Um, he had a great time, and we all did have a good time. But as when I got back from Chicago, pretty much, um, uh, I guess the program started conflicting with my work. Um, even though I would do the program during the lunchtime, but uh, working for a nonprofit and starting your own group, I guess during the school time, it could be a conflict of interest. Um, so we were doing different interviews, Live 5 News, um, People's Magazines, things like that. And I, I was given a choice. 
either to stop the program or I would lose my job. Um, so I saw a higher purpose in this program, and I thought about it. I said, what is my purpose? I said, I do have a job. I do have a child to take care of. We live, we live in a house in Mount Pleasant, just me and her. What do I do? Do I stop this program, or do I continue to work so I can have money in my income? So I, I made a choice. Um, I told him I, I wasn't going to stop the program. Um, this is what I wanted to do. And if I need to get terminated, I'll just have to get terminated. So started a program in January. In April, I got suspended from my job, um, a month's suspension. During that month's suspension, uh, the nonprofit I worked for wanted me to give up all donations that I received from the boys across the world. We received things from Australia, uh, Europe, all kind of different places, Canada. And I had a choice to make, to give up these things and stop the program, seeing that these boys are very excited about coming to this program and they feel like they belong to a group or a family. And I said, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So while I was on my suspension, uh, People's Magazine contacted us, and they wanted to do an interview with us. Kenneth was working at the school at the time, so he couldn't do it. But I was home serving my suspension, so we did a Skype interview. And before I did a Skype interview, I remember thinking to myself, should I do this or should I not do it? Because I know if I do this Skype interview that I'm definitely going to be in some major trouble. So I sat at home, thought about it, and I said, you know what? This is my purpose. This is my vision. And I'm going to do the Skype interview, and I'm going to do it well. And that's what I did. They, they called me. We, we did a Skype interview, and it was, it was great. And we, we, we had an article with People's Magazine spreading across the world what we're, what we're doing, what we're trying to accomplish. And um, so I did the interview, told Kenneth about it, and we talked about it. And he was like, pretty much, you know, you know what this means pretty much. In May, um, I lost my job at Memminger Elementary. And... I'm, I'm not going to lie, I was very, very hurt, very upset because I was thinking now, what am I going to do to make ends meet? How am I going to support my own daughter because I wanted to start this program to help other kids, other young males, but what am I going to do to help myself? So uh, last year was kind of rough for me, but I figured it out. I figured it out. Um, over the summertime, we started the paperwork to get the um, nonprofit started. Um, met Mr. Champagne. We knew each other through mutual friends. Um, we were talking about the program. He said he's very interested and want to help out, and he wants to be a part of our team. Um, so we got the paperwork and everything together. It was a long process, but we got it done. Uh, we got an invite from the College of Charleston to have an after-school program at the Education Building um, for our program where we meet every Tuesday, Thursdays, and Fridays from 3.30 to 6 o'clock to teach our boys quality life skills and helping them be the best men that they can be, pretty much being a gentleman. And we, 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 were, we were doing that now. We were doing that since September, pretty much. And we want to thank the College of Charleston for actually giving us that opportunity, but now realizing that we, we don't have to just do it in the schools. We can start our own program now, which we did. And I was so glad that, that God took me 
in his light and showed me that this is where I need to be. And that I made the right decision. Because at first I wasn't sure whether I made the right decision or not. And it was hard coming to the schools, picking up my daughter, and seeing these boys every day, and them asking, Mr. Nelson, where are you? What's going on? Are you coming back? And having this room full of shirts, ties, suits that we got across the world, you know, sitting in the room. And DeMarco, he's our youngest right here. He was in first grade at the time, but he would come to my room every Wednesday morning to put on his suit. Every Wednesday morning he would come. And he got to the point that he wanted a matching tie. He wanted a matching pocket square. I mean, he wanted, he wanted everything. He wanted everything. But it hurt me not being there for my boys and them seeing me in the building and not realizing what's going on. So eventually I had to tell him what happened. And I had to tell him that, you know, I had to put my foot down and stand my ground. Because if I didn't, this program might have not still been running. You know, Mr. Jordan could have been doing it at the school, but it wouldn't have the same effect as it has now doing the after-school program with them at the College of Charleston. So I'm glad that I made that choice, that, that, that choice because I realized at the school, even, even a four-year-old, if I'm walking in the hallway and I give one four-year-old a high five, you're going to see a whole line full of four-year-olds with their hand up, waiting for a high five. And it doesn't matter how young these kids are, every kid wants to be accepted. Every kid wants to be accepted. And the teachers would get mad all the time. Mr. Nelson, you, you can't get my line in an uproar like that. And I had to tell him, you don't know if these kids are getting hugs at home, handshakes, anything, any kind of affection. So I can't walk by a kid and just ignore them. I can't do it because I know what it feels like to be ignored. And I was ignored for years, years. And I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. So I would like to say that I am so passionate and so glad and so happy that God put me in this position because if not, I wouldn't have done what I've done with these young boys, my partner Kenneth, my other partner Abraham Champagne, and we wouldn't be doing what we're doing to this day. And before we got started today, I also want to thank my boys for when we prayed. That was my actual, like, first time. I hear them talk about the program all the time to other people, but hearing them pray and thank God for introducing my team, Mr. Jordan, Mr. Champagne, and myself to them, and hearing the passion in their voices saying, thank you, Mr. Nelson, thank you, Mr. Jordan, thank you, Mr. Champagne, for allowing us to be and boys with a purpose and teaching us to be better young men. And the fact that they appreciate it and they want to be a part of this group. We have a 13-year-old who gets off the bus every day at middle school who comes to the program every day as soon as he gets off the bus. There's no adult telling him where to go. He gets off the school bus and he walks from um, the uh, apartments that he lives in across from the school and walks to the College of Charleston every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And if he can't find us, if we're not in the room, he'll give us a call on the phone and say, Mr. Nelson, Mr. Joyner, where are you guys? I'm looking for you. And, just, and that right there shows that he's in middle school and he wants to be helped. He wants to be a part of this program. And it lets us know that what we're doing is very effective and we really appreciate what we're trying to do. We're just doing it because we love enlightening these young males, showing them how to be great young men because we had people growing up that can help us. My father, like I said, he, 
didn't do certain things with me, but I was in programs like this one that showed me how to be a better man. So we just want to spread the knowledge to all of our young males and want to thank you all today for coming out and hearing us because this is, we, we feel like this is very important. You know, a lot of you in this room have kids, you know, and the effect of having a father is very great, very, very great. My daughter looks at me every single day and tells me, Daddy, I love you. I appreciate you. You know, I have two bedrooms. I'm like, no, you don't. That's a guest room. That's not your room, okay? But in her mind, you know, I grew up, I had to share a room with my brother, you know, but giving her a better lifestyle than I had is definitely what I want to do. So she appreciates me. She appreciates me. These boys appreciate us, you know? And I appreciate my mom and my father, you know? I forgive him for what he'd done in the past. And like I said, it's, this might be maybe like my fifth time ever even talking about it, you know, because I don't really like to talk about it because I, I replay everything that happened when I was young, and I don't like to, I don't like to really go through that. So this probably is like my, one of my, I mean, probably like the fifth time talking about it. But um, I just want to say thank you all for coming out today. Thank you all for listening to us. Uh, we have business cards here. Um, we'll pass out to you guys. Um, I just want to say, you know, for everyone who's a father, who's a mentor, continue doing what you're doing because eyes are watching. These young kids are watching. Even the other adults are watching. You might have, you know, nephews or grandsons, whoever, you know, that are watching you guys every day in and out. And they want to be like y'all, you know. They want to be just like y'all. And they're looking at little things that you guys are doing and they're picking up on it. So for, for, for all the grandfathers, fathers in the room, Continue being great-grandfathers, great-fathers, and continue doing wonderful things in this world. Thank you. All right. At this time... <laughs> I would like to introduce um, my co-founder, Kenneth Joyner. Um, Kenneth Joyner is a loving son, husband, father, and most importantly, a man of God. He has been married for—he has been married to his wife Nicole for 21 years, and he has a phenomenal daughter, Bria. He is also the co-founder of a nonprofit, Boys with a Purpose. Kenneth graduated from Charleston Southern with a bachelor's degree in, in elementary education. He currently teaches fifth grade at Memager Elementary in Charleston, South Carolina. During his teaching career, he, he received the Memager Teacher of the Year Award and was highlighted as an outstanding teacher by Wings, the former after-school program at his school. Kenneth was raised in Washington, D.C. in a single-parent home. Without a doubt, his mother was an awesome role model. However, he acknowledged the challenges he faced growing up without the presence of a male role model in his life on a day-to-day -day basis. These experiences brought about an awareness of the important role men play in the lives of young boys, thus driving his passion for mentoring and developing young men. Boys with a Purpose was developed to make a difference in mm. lives of every young man he comes in contact with. And he is both, and he is both honored and humbled
that God has chosen him to fulfill this mission. Right now, I want to bring up my partner, the man with the plan, Kevin <laughs> Jonah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> All right. It's always good uh, to be again in the house uh, of God. Again, we want to thank um, Mr. Hank and Brother Charles for inviting us out. We're so thankful and so grateful um, to be before you today. Um, when I walked in, um, whenever uh, God puts this many men in the room, something big's going to happen. You can guarantee that. So uh, for you showing up today, for you being a part of this, for you just uh, taking the time out of your day, uh, you might have thought you came here for one reason, but God sent you here specifically for a specific reason. So give yourselves a round of applause because we appreciate. We appreciate. I don't think men get enough credit for um, just their role in society and what they do, how powerful it is, and, and, and some of the things that we have done. Uh, we, we hear about a lot of what we don't do <laughs> often, but we don't hear a lot about some of the things that we are doing. And so um, uh, to, to be a part of Boys With a Purpose um, is, is just an honor for me. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled to be to, to come to work, to do it every single day. Um, to see these young boys grow, to be able to be in a position that God would use me, that he would use me, a uh, young kid from D.C., single family home, uh, grew up in one of the poorest uh, neighborhoods ever, uh, never thought that I would be here today. Weren't, I wasn't even thinking past uh, 21 when I was young. We were just trying to survive during that time in D.C., just trying to make it out, just trying to make ends meet. I grew up in a domestic violence home, so at any moment, uh, things could just get crazy. I could be taken away from my mom, you know, going to, 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 to stay with my grandmother or my, my aunts because of violence or whatever the case may be. And growing up in that kind of environment, you never think uh, beyond that situation. And so... Um, to see how God has uh, taken my life and put the pieces together uh, and put me in position and put people, great people around me and, and, and put people in my lives to help me um, lets me know um, that he, he definitely has a plan. It's Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you. It says plans to prosper you. That's the piece right there, prosper you. When I read that scripture, like, man, I want to, I want to be prosperous. And we think uh, when we're young, we think prosperity means what? Money, right? <laughs> we want to be money. We want to have a lot of money, especially when you grow up without a lot of money. But prosperous is not, that's not what he meant when that, when that, when that verse. And as I began to grow as a man, I understood that what he meant was, I want you to prosper for my name's sake. I want you to prosper in doing my work. That's what I want you. So you can't fail in whatever you do in my name. And that was a great eye-opener for me. When we started the business, uh, as Mr. Nelson said, the, the trials and the tribulations that we went through, uh, but knowing that I'm never shaken because we know 100% we're doing God's work. So whatever we need, T-shirts, we need an accountant, we, we met Mr. Ben Haygood, we needed somebody to help us put together and show, whatever we need, God's going to supply it. Why? Because you can't fail. You can't fail when you do God's work. And that is so empowering for what we do and how we do it. 
because we know that uh, God made man in his own image. We know that 100%. And then for me growing up without my dad, I understood that uh, I came about some challenges. I came, I came up against some challenges by not having them. We just had an event called Calling All Fathers, where we brung the fathers out to be in support of young men. Some fathers showed, some fathers didn't. But we understand the role of the father and how important it is to have that father there. You, you think about the relationship you have with your dad. You think about how he impacted you. And fathers, uh, uh, as we said, father's role is to illuminate the way to show the way for his son as he comes behind. And that's what God has done for us. He's shown us the way. This is the path you should take. This is what happens if you don't take this path. And so without your father, we say like, it's like being right-handed and being missing your right arm. You don't even know it. You just go on your whole life doing everything left-handed and you just think like, that's the way it is. And so when my father was missing, there were some things that I ran into that he could have saved me from because he had walked that path himself. He knew exactly some of the challenges, and our father knows some of the challenges that we're going to come up against. And so when we came up against certain challenges, initially when we started the program, I wasn't worried. I had been, uh, my faith had been grown over the years so that God says, listen, I got you. I got the program, whatever you need is going to be supplied. And so the importance of having men make men, period. That's, that's the bottom line. Men make men. I told my wife and that, you know, uh, we have a daughter, 21, um, just the joy of our lives. But I could teach her how to be a great person. I could teach her how to be uh, respectful. I can teach her how to be, uh, you know, have great character and how to be giving and how to be loving. But I can never teach her how to be a woman. Just not in my DNA. But I can teach a young man how to be a man because men make men. If you want to see a strong man, put him around strong men. But if he doesn't have that role model, if he doesn't have that in his life, then he is, is, we, we said this, this is the analogy. Imagine the, the, the nicest car you ever had. So, so get it in your mind, 57 Chevy, whatever it is. I don't know, all right? Lamborghini for some, and they, they, all right, whatever it is, right? You're driving in it, and you've got the top down if, it, if, it, if it's a convertible, or you're rolling in it. Going through life without your father is like driving that car 100 miles an hour, no steering wheel, no brakes, and you blindfold. So you can't see what you're running into, sin. You can't stop yourself from going into it, right? And you can't turn around. That's what it's like when you go through life without your father. No guidance, no direction, no, no image to be able to look at to say, this is what I should be, this is what I should do, this is how things should be. There is nothing there. And, and many of our young boys have come through life, and we've seen them fall by the wayside because, one, they don't know their purpose, they have no vision. Two, they have no direction, no example for them to say, listen, this is the mistake I made. I made this mistake with alcoholism. Don't, don't, don't do this. There will be some mistakes you're going to make. And as fathers, we try to keep our kids from all the bad things. 
We do. We try to keep them from all the things and the mistakes that we made, right? But we know that's what? It's not possible. It's not, it's, it's, it's not possible. What happens is God says, okay, I took you through some things. Give the advice, but trust me to give them what you didn't have. And that's what I had to do with my daughter. When she went out on her date the first time, uh, 18, my wife said to me, she came up to me, they're going out on the date. She said, listen, did you tell her what time to be back? Right? And I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't tell her. I said, because we have been raising her for 18 years. She's never seen me come in late. She's never seen me disrespect this house. She's never seen me uh, uh, come in here at any hours of the, of the night. Even if I work late. She knows where I am, and she knows where you are. So I don't have to tell her that. We've been doing the job of raising her. So, so the value system that we placed in her says she knows what time to be home. And that's what we're trying to give through this entire program. We're trying to give our young men a value system. Don't live your life by emotion, we told them. Value system, live your life on principles. Live your life on things that don't change that come from God, that can't be moved. Those are the things that we're trying to teach. And so as we come through, and we come through this program, uh, one of the things that we've helped them or tried to help them do is, um, is answer the five basic questions. I think whether it doesn't matter where you come from, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're black or white, what religion you come from, the five questions you have to answer is, who am I? Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? What, what is the purpose for me being here? The third one is, what are my gifts? Most young men are dying with their purposes and not even ever finding out what their gifts are. What are you sent here to do? What is your assignment? Fourth is, what can I do to change this world? And when I was young, I always had big aspirations. I always had big dreams. I wanted to do something great with my life. I wanted to make a lot of money. I thought I was going to be in the NBA. That didn't quite work out for me, so I had to come up with another plan, right? And so, and, and the thing about it is, even if I had been in the NBA, I didn't have the character nor the discipline to keep me in a place. Talent will take you places that character can't keep you. So if your character is not where you need to be, you'll fall. We see it all the time. We see athletes get themselves in situations because character's not there. Having a lot of money uh, is not the precursor for success. We know that. And the last piece is where am I going? Where am I going on this journey while I'm here? And so as we've been developing uh, I've been having to ask myself those questions, getting into this purpose, getting into, you know, why we're here and what we're actually going to do to actually impact, pay it forward for the next generation. That's what, that's what it's all about for me, paying it forward for the next generation. Why? Because I've come through some things, and it's no sense that my daughter or my son or, or, the, or the young men that are in my path have to make the same mistakes that we make. It's no sense in that. There's, uh, we said their, their ceiling, should, our, our roof should be their ceiling. So they should start higher than we did. They should start further along, 
right? And we see that all the time. We want to give them the nice, as much money as we can to, to, so that they're prepared when they step out here. We want to give them the best, you know, avenue for, for uh, employment, right? We want our kids to do better than we do. And that's all we're trying to do with Boys With a Purpose. It's, it's just that. Make sure that we don't, my heart falls when I see mothers on TV crying when young boys leave here early. They say that's like the worst sin when children die before parents. So when, when, my, when I see that, it pains my heart. So God says, okay, if it's pain in your heart, what you gonna do about it? Anybody can stand on the sidelines and, and we talk about, my, my dad said be an armchair quarterback. Anybody can do that. Man, I wish they should have ran the ball uh, when, when uh, the, the, the Atlanta Falcons should have ran the ball. If they would have run the ball at the end, kicked the field goal, they win the Super Bowl. Armchair quarterbacks. I'm not in the game. So God says, that, look, if you want to change some things for these young boys, he said get off the sidelines and get in the game. Stop talking about it. And so he says, listen, if you really want to do it, this is what I got for you. Uh, you're in Maryland. You're in D.C. You're living there. I need you to leave here. I need you to move to South Carolina. My wife was asking me for years to come here, years. And every time we would come here for family reunions, I would say, no, thank you. I'm going to stay home, right? And much like Abraham in the Bible, uh, God says, listen, I need you to go to a place that you don't know nobody. Leave this whole thing. Leave your family. Leave everything and go to this place for me. And I didn't want to go at all, fought it tooth and nail. So what I started doing was I started putting the pressure on God. So I said, okay, if you want me to go, I'm not going without a job. I need you to get me a transfer. So I was working for UPS at the time, and uh, transfers didn't come through. They just didn't do it. Okay? Watch this. Sense of humor by God. He says, okay, I'm not only going to give you a transfer, but the guy who transferred me at UPS used to be from South Carolina. <laughs> he says, you're going to love it down there. As he's writing the transfer, do you like golf? You play golf? I said, no. He said, get some clubs because you're going to love it. Right? You like the beat? All that, right? So I said, I still didn't believe after that. I still didn't believe. So I says, okay, God, if, if you want me to go, then get me back in school. Started at UMBC when I was uh, uh, 21, 1989. I went there until 97. I did not finish my engineering degree. Uh, life happened, um, and, and, and I had to drop out. So I said, get me back in school. Because one little boy said to me, as I was preaching one day to tell kids to go to college, he said to me, he said, did you finish? I said, no, I didn't. And it just kind of hit me, like right there, like, man, you, gotta, you can't be talking about it, and you ain't even. So I said, God, get me back in school. He says, no problem. Boom, CSU. And not only that, you get a scholarship to go. Boom. What else you want? I mean, what, right? So I get here. My wife doesn't have a job. I said, God, we don't have a place to stay. Don't have no, I got to get a house for my wife. She ain't not just going to come down here. He says, don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of that. But I need you to trust me so far. Just keep on going. And boom. I mean, literally, every decision that we've made since I've been here in 2007 has been nothing but a blessing. We will never leave South Carolina because I don't want to move no more. <laughs> okay? I don't want to move no more. I'm tired of moving. If I told you how many times I moved when I was young, you'd be like, oh, it's ridiculous. Right? But, 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 but he keeps doing it. 
He keeps setting the path. And so I don't have a worry about where the program's going, how we're going to get money, funding. I know 100 percent we're doing God's work. I know 100 percent it's going to be successful, no matter where it is. Why? Because we're following God's blueprint. He says, I want to make man in my own image. That's what he said, first thing. And, and men have something that only God has, the ability to make man and woman. That's the only, women can't do that. They only have one. Men have the X and the Y chromosome. We decide the gender of our children. And so God says, listen, I'm going to make you in my image. Your role is so important. Says the sins of the fathers visit the children to the second and third generations. So if I want to break my son's or my daughter's curse, guess what? It got to start with me. I got to do something. So God says, listen, get off the sidelines and get in the game. Go back to school, teach, do whatever you need to do. But he says, you got to impact lives. You got to impact these young men's lives. And so that's what I've been doing. And that's what Boys With a Purpose is all about. Simply getting off the sidelines, getting in the game, getting in the fight. And if we save, watch this, they're playing for the NBA championship will be decided in June. Every boy we save is a championship for God. Every purpose we save is a championship. Every purpose that doesn't die is a championship for God. And let me say this, I want to be on his team. I want to be on his team. He is the only one that's been there for me every single day when my father wasn't there for me. When he chose not to be there for me, God has been right there by my side, leading and guiding me. Because I could have easily taken the bad road. I could have easily gone astray. And so placing me with these two gentlemen, uh, he says a three-strand cord is not easily broken. And so the three of us, although it's been tough, we've been able to do it under the anointing of God. It's as simple as that. So thank you for your time today. Um, thank you for, again, just showing up and opening your hearts and your minds, uh, not only to the program, um, but to what God is doing, because he's doing it. It's not us, really. Um, he's, he's, he's preparing us for something greater. And for us to be able to go from one or two pictures on Facebook <laughs> to an official nonprofit, Ellen DeGeneres calling people, you know, Steve Harvey and these kinds of things, Nutella, right? Companies wanting to work with us from London and all over. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. And so we know we don't need a whole lot of money to save our young boys. What we need is we need people to get off the sidelines. We need men to get off the sidelines and get in the game. So God bless you and thank you. Thank you, sir. I told uh, Kenneth, I said, I think we might need to get you to come preach here sometime. <laughs> Um, but I wanted you to meet them. And the beautiful thing is they brought some of these young men with them, and they're better dressed than I am, I can say that. Um, but if you have a minute afterwards and can stay and, and speak to them, they would love to meet you and, um, and answer any questions you have. We sort of ran out of time for questions. But, y'all, thank you for being here. Have a wonderful Easter. 
and we'll see you again in May. God bless.